I define selling out as going, doing anything that goes against your values. Right. Mm. And once you have your values identified, you can be like, no, I'm not doing that. And then that gives you a lot of freedom to make decisions without fear of selling out. Right. Cause you have your, your values identified. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm stoked to be here today with Greg Wilna. He's a, a good friend of mine that lives in Orlando, pretty close by. We just realized that we lived like pretty close to each other, and now we've been hanging out. And he is the founder of Musician Monster, and he's got a lot of uh, background, a lot of experience around website design. And he actually has worked with some of the top business leaders in the world uh, in terms of designing uh, their websites. And he's able to kind of bring that expertise into uh, another passion of his, which is music branding and really get it, figuring out how to hone in your visuals and your artistic identity as a musician. So I figured today that you know, we could kind of focus on how to really hone in your artistic identity and, and your music brands. So uh, Greg, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Yeah, Michael, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's awesome to be able to come and talk to your people about this stuff and something super important, right? I think branding something that is easy to kind of kick the can down the road with and, you know, the impact of that is, you know, uh, affects everything. So definitely glad to be here to share whatever I can. Mm, that's a really good point. Yeah, dude, it's the branding and like who you are as an artist is really kind of like the roots of your entire music career. And it is something that's like foundational and it's really important to start with it. Interesting that that it is something that sometimes people don't even take the time early on to kind of figure out or clarify or, or you, and they don't really know where to start. What are some of the biggest challenges that, that you hear from musicians when it comes to like, they come to you and they're kind of interested in starting to figure out their music brand? Yeah. So I think one of the reasons why it's so easy to kick the can down the road with or avoid, and this is directly answering your question is, and this is one of the mistakes is that branding music is often perceived differently than what it actually is, or people assume it's something that it's not like they'll start with a logo and a cool name and, you know, graphics designs and, you know, t-shirts and merch, uh, or they'll think that, uh, it's something that's kind of shallow, right? And they associate it with, you know, selling out or being something that they're not being disingenuous and, those are all kind of false paradigms. And when you look at branding through that lens, what it does is it creates resistance to get it done. And what branding actually is, is being intentional, deliberate, and consistent. Mm -hmm. And that starts with identifying who you are as an artist and how you want your music to impact the lives of other people. And then everything else is a result of that. Awesome. So it sounds like what you're saying is that you know, one of the biggest mistakes and really creates a lot of resistance to the idea of branding is that as artists, we don't necessarily want to put on like a, an image or put on like a false, you know, sense of, of who we are. Like we just want to be who we are and we want to, we want to, and sometimes that can 
you know, people kind of be a bit scattered and trying to figure out, well, what am I and what am I trying to do here? And so it sounds like what you're saying is that branding, getting intentional about it is really a way that you kind of hone in and focus. And it's not about not, you know, being who you are, but it's about creating something that's consistent, uh, a consistent reflection of who you are that you feel proud of that kind of puts your best foot forward. Yeah. It's about being intentional, right? So there are four music brand archetypes. There's a personal brand. Okay. There's a thematic brand. There's a um, persona and genre, right? Those are the four basic archetypes of branding music. And pers a persona is when you create something that's separate from yourself as an individual and you become something or create an image that's intentional. So it's different. It's a way to separate yourself. Like mm -hmm. Kiss, Cher, Taylor Swift on the Reputation album. Those were all like personas, right? But those were done intentionally, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one way of branding. You don't have to do it if it doesn't sit right with you. So it's all about identifying who you are first, how you want to impact people. And then um, those are your values. And once you have your values identified, you can make conscious decisions that don't detract from that because you've identified it. Once you identify it, you know, you can never, you can never lose it, right? So I think that's one of the biggest things that I've encountered is the misperception of, of what it is, thinking it's something that it's not, and then looking at that through that frame of reference and it affects the way that, you know, you perceive it. Yeah, dude, I, I love the way you just put it too. And that actually, I mean, it kind of gave me an aha in terms of a lot of times, I mean, a lot of the artists that, that I work with, it's like their branding is like they want it to be an expression of, of who they are and they want it to be kind of like a personal brand. But what you just brought up there was interesting in the sense that sometimes it's about creating a persona. It's not necessarily about, you know, your personal brand, but it can be about something entirely different. So it's, it's cool that um, that's an option for people. And I, you know, I didn't even think about that. Could you go into a little bit more detail? So there's like four different archetypes. Um, one of them's persona. And so that's kind of like creating an a entirely different image. That's cool. So that's one of the, that's one of the ways to brand yourself is like a persona. And then another one's like, you said like a personal brand. So that one's really about you as an original artist, maybe a singer songwriter. And it's about, you know, reflecting some of the things that you're going through in your own life. And, and, you know, it definitely has a certain, yep. certain brand to it. And then yep. you said there was two other ones. One was like genre, genre, genre specific, specific and a thematic brand. Yep. So genre-specific genre is just where you brand based on other artists in your genre. Like it's the easiest to do, and you just kind of model that. So um, typical way of doing this, there's a good contrast. So Jared in your program, right, Jared? Mm. He's kind of like, like hardcore death metal, right? <laughs> and his mm. branding is so atypical from what that genre would, would be. Right. So typically when you think of the hardcore, you know, death metal stuff, like they all have like this blood dripping logo that you can't read and it's all, you know, demonic and satanic and stuff like that. And that's a typical genre specific branding, but that's not what he does. He follows a thematic brand, right. Which is all about transformation and um, uh, meditation and, you know, and he follows storylines that take a character through progression and tells those stories in those songs. And he did that intentionally because he's like, you know what? I don't want to follow a genre specific brand. I want to be different. And he follows that theme and that brand consistently. Uh, by the way, I have a cheat sheet uh, that goes into all the different archetypes. Um, if you want, you can download it at musicianmonster.com forward slash SWM. 
totally free to just give you a nice overview of kind of the different archetypes and give you some examples beyond what we're talking about here. Yeah. So it sounds like one, one question I had to follow up about the four different, the four different types of, of brands is so like, so thematic and, and genre specific. So genre specific is really kind of about the, the genre as a whole, right? So pop punk, pop rock, Blink-182 was kind of like the theme that, that my band came from. And there's yep. also heavy, heavy metal, death metal or, or country. And, you know, I guess my, my question is like, do you sometimes these brands kind of overlap a bit? Because it, it does seem like some, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. So the cool thing about the archetypes is what it does is it simplifies all the options, right? Because branding music is just kind of why I really like it. I think branding music is absolutely fascinating because it's unlike any other industry, right? Like with a corporation or a company, like they rarely rebrand, right? They never do. Like it's one thing, it looks the same, it's consistent, but musicians brand every album differently, right? Every release differently. And I talk about this more in information on my site with like main brands and sub brands and release branding and campaign branding for music. But the answer to your question is you can combine archetypes, right? You can mix things and match things if you want to. But the purpose of the archetypes isn't to make you feel like you need to fit into this, you know, this box. What it does is it simplifies, you know, the amorphous, ambiguous topic of branding music and defines it into four simple archetypes knowing that out of all your options, there are really only four ways you can go about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of the purpose of them is to simplify and explain. You know, one, one thing that I feel like I get a lot of questions when it comes to branding, and this is also something that, I, uh, that I've thought a lot about, and I want to hear your take on it, is the balance between, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants and like modeling other successful bands or maybe our influences versus being original and doing something completely new. You know, how do you, how do you balance those kinds of things? And do you see, is there like a, a dilemma between, you know, referencing or modeling or, or finding like finding um, other ideas for, for branding and then kind of taking those or what's, what's your thought when it comes to, to referencing things? Yep. So the analogy that I use for this question, cause it's a really good one, right? And it makes a lot of sense. Every artist has thought of this when, you know, we're thinking about branding. I would answer that question with this in the same way that you as a musician draw on the greats and stand on the shoulders of giants of the past when developing your talent, developing your technique and inspiring you is the same way that you could do that with your branding. It doesn't define you. You can reference it and look at it for inspiration and then make it your own, right? Did that kind of answer the question? <laughs> it definitely did. I like it. It was a very simple and indirect direct answer. And I, and I totally agree. I think that's one thing. I think there is a balance, right? Because it's not like you want to go out and just like rip off another band because then it's, if there's no originality, then, you know, everyone can kind of just see like it's, there's nothing unique. There's nothing special about it to kind of set you apart. But on the other side, sometimes people take it to an extreme and it's like, Oh, like, you know, I'm not in any, I don't have a music genre because I'm just, you know, I'm just me. And the people that can't really understand, like, what like where they kind of fit and the brand it's kind of not it's inconsistent it's kind of all over the place yeah and so it, it does seem like it's really it's really really valuable to you know be able to find out you know what it, here's another way to kind of tie it into i think in the music industry there's a, a big fear or like resistance to the idea of like of selling out of 
doing something, leaning into something in terms of your music brand that might make you more popular to the mainstream and then losing your integrity. And again, that's a perfect example of like the balance where it's like, you know, you don't want to not be yourself, but you also want to, you know, you also want to tap in and be, and be valuable. So where do you draw the line when it comes to like, how, yep. how do people stay current and stay yep. and be successful without yep. selling their soul? Yep. That's a great question. So the way that I like to explain it is, remember earlier when we were talking about answering the question, how do I want my music to impact the lives of other people? Right? How do I want to be remembered as an artist? So I have uh, one of my products is the Music Branding Accelerator. And if you sign up for the Music Branding Cheat Sheet, you'll get an offer for a big discount. And I'll actually take you through this exercise step by step. But it's called the coffin method. And what it does is you identify your values as an artist and how you want to be remembered. Okay. How you want your music to impact the lives of other people. And that's the genesis of everything that you do with your brand and the directions that you take. And when you think about those things, right, when you define and you crystallize how you want your music to impact people, what you're doing is you're identifying your values. Okay. And the reason why there's a lot of fear around selling out or not selling out is because it's likely that you don't have your values identified. Okay. Because once you have your values identified, you can make decisions and have peace of, give yourself permission to feel okay and have peace of mind about the decisions that you're making without fear of selling out. I define selling out as going, doing anything that goes against your values. Right. Mm. And once you have your values identified, you can be like, no, I'm not doing that. And then that gives you a lot of freedom to make decisions without fear of selling out. Right. Cause you have your, your values identified. So I go in that to say like, that's a, high level answer to the question. Yeah, it, it's, it sounds like what you're saying is that a lot of times the fear of, of selling out kind of comes from a lack of clarity around who you are or what kind of impact you want to make on other people. One thing that I like kind of add to the conversation too, I feel like is a lot of times I think that we sort of, we put ourselves into a certain like box where we think that like, in order to to grow as a human being, like in some ways you have to become not you. And anytime you grow, it's gonna feel uncomfortable and it's not gonna feel like the right thing to do. Yeah. And in so so in terms of like personal growth, it's kind of like the idea of being yourself is almost like it's like an illusion because you can't ever not be yourself. And a lot of times in order to become a better version of you, you have to become not yourself, which is gonna feel weird. So it's okay to to be someone else to be the highest version of yourself. Yeah. And so yeah, I think there could be kind of a mindset block around, you know, if you are a band that's playing, I don't know, like seventies music and it's not really like, you know, hitting right now and it's hard to build up like a really like, like a big fan base doing it. I think it's okay to reinvent yourself and to, you know, not to lose sight of, of who you are or like the core of, of your influences, but maybe to like bring in, you know, to, to listen to what is current right now. And the idea that like, Oh, everything right now is, you know, it's a very like old school idea to be like, you know, everything that's popular right now just sucks. Like it was, it was good in the seventies. Yeah. Like every current generation of music has that in the past. Like people who listen to a different, now they're listening like, oh, music is crap nowadays. Yeah. Um, that's what I thought when I was like in high school, like man, music today sucks. 
And I look back on like, you know, early 2000s, mid 2000s, like, man, that was some good shit. I know. I know. I feel the same way too. I have to catch myself and, and it is like, you know, it's a process, but you can, you can learn to, to really find your own style. That's, that's current right now and to find things that resonate that really do connect with you, but are also on the current wave. It it depends on your goals, right? But if you want to have a successful music career and you want to grow an audience, then you have to kind of find out what are people resonating with. And, you know, it is kind of like catching a wave in the sense that if you're trying to catch a wave that's past long time ago, it could be challenging. Not to say, sometimes there are reoccurrences of, of the same kind of waves. So like the 70s style kind of comes back or something. I do think it's really powerful to kind of to be you know, surfing and then kind of look back and see, okay, so this is where, this is the big wave that's coming right now and kind of swim along with it, right? And so, you know, you still have to, you know, do it in your own way, in your own twist. But if you can kind of swim along with the direction of the wave, then when it, when it hits, you can really catch a ton of momentum. And it doesn't mean that you're necessarily like selling out to do it, but there is a delicate balance, right? Because you, there there is a chance that you could go too far where it's just like you don't have integrity or you don't really, you don't have a cohesive brand. Yeah. So that, that's just like a topic I find really fascinating is like, how do you find that balance? Yeah. So the way I talk about, by the way, there are three, there are three basic phases. Okay. So there's Phase one, which is identify how you want your music to impact people and your values. And that kind of acts as a rudder that steers you in the right direction. Okay. The second phase is to identify visual representations that reflect the style of your music. And then the third is to get all your visual branding cohesive. So like your logo, your marketing collateral, website, social media profiles, and then, then your merchandise. So we're still talking about like phase one and the implications of how that applies to help you um, to act as like a rudder to steer your decision making and your thought process around how you approach your, the direction of your brand in a way that like gives you permission to feel okay about the decisions that you're making without being afraid that you're gonna contradict your values and make the wrong uh, choice that goes, uh, that conflicts with who you are, okay? So that's, that's why phase one is so important. Um, cause it gives you that, it gives you that rudder. Mm, awesome. So the three phases are the phase one is really about kind of foundationally looking at brainstorming. What do you want this brand to be about? And, you know, maybe pulling in some references and kind of figuring out, you know, what are some ideas and figuring out your values and your intentions? How do you want to impact? How do you want to impact other people with your music? And what have you so just out of curiosity to kind of like land the plane a little bit? Cause that is a pretty high up question sometimes like, you know, how do you want your music to impact people? And it, it might be kind of a difficult question to answer, but like, what are some ans- like, you know, examples of like answers that, that are good answers to that question? The best answer to that question is the one that resonates with you the most. There are many people who say, and I'll give you an example in a second, but I'm trying to create some context. Um, you could say the same thing, the same way that an, a different way that another artist has, but you're using the words that sit with you the most. All right. So you could say, I want my music to inspire people to make changes in their lives that they never would have made without it. Something like that. You know what I mean? It's all about identifying how you want your music to impact people in a way that you find meaningful. Now this is like a, just a high level view. Okay. And you know, once you have that, you don't really have to worry about it ever again. It's done and it's out of the way. But Anytime you brand a project, there's still a three-step basic framework. Um, like, so let's say you're doing, I call it campaign branding. So your main brand and your sub-brand. So if you look and you reflect on most artist brands, right? They have their main brand, which is like, you know, their artist name, okay? And then they have a sub-brand, which are like individual releases, EPs, albums, singles, 
a live performance or tour, like a music video or a collaboration. Those are all sub-brands that are under the banner or under the umbrella of their main brand. Their main brand goes with them, right? And what that does is it gives you freedom and flexibility to kind of rebrand every project. And the way that you do that is you still follow the basic framework. You start with one idea, so that identify one idea so that everything is cohesive under it. Oh, what's up guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're gonna walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's gonna allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. You know, something that came up while, while you're, while you're talking about that is like, I was just kind of like clicking in my own brain about how I'm like, how I'm understanding the idea of like thinking about what kind of impact you want to make on the people listening to the songs. And I think that's a great, a great question to, to ask. And one big facet of that, I feel like is thinking about how do you want people to feel right? Like music is really like, a transmission of emotion to people in, in a lot of ways, like a good song yeah, it can is. resonate and it's an emotional transfer. And so thinking about how do you want to make people feel is you know, going to be a really powerful you know, way to kind of think about your brand, some of the different elements that come into it and what kinds of songs you write and you know, maybe even the visual aspect of it. Like, you yep. know, with death metal, like if, if, you know, you wanted to make people feel really angry or make them really like stand up and, and kind of and uh, rebel against power or something. You know, there might be a certain like, like, uh, and it's interesting, a lot of different genres probably have yeah. like emo, <laughs> you know, like emo is like, you know, it definitely has like a certain, certain they feel do. to it. They have their similar. So the, what you're talking about, translating emotion, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about phase two, which is identifying the visual components that translate that the best. And there are three parts to this. There are color, typography, and art style, all right? Those are the three, only three ways, the three things that you'll use as a vehicle to translate that emotion and bring it into a visual space. So I'll give you a quick example. Different colors can def represent different emotions or convey different emotions. So once you have the impact that you want um, your music to have identified, right, or more clearly to you, you can use that as a basis to pick colors that reflect that accurately. For example, let's say, like you said, anger. Well, red is typically used to convey anger, all right? Anger, aggression, but it can also be used for things like passion or love or something like that. So when used in that context, once you um, 
you can be intentional about the visual components that you choose to represent and have peace of mind knowing that it lines up correctly. Um, so that was color. Another uh, is like fonts, right? So let's say you have a masculine brand or, or a feminine brand. You would pick masculine fonts, right? Because you'd want that to, you'd want your font to look, you know, um, powerful and strong or masculine, right? And if you want it to be more feminine, you could use, use like scripted fonts or something, something that looks a little bit more feminine or a little bit more personal. So I hope that provides a little bit more context to how you actually translate the ethereal amorphous idea, right? into something that's visually cohesive that represents and reflects that message um, clearly. Mm, awesome. So uh, in terms of like getting visuals, do you have any recommendations for like, what's the process like? Because I, I know one mistake that, that I have made a lot or I made early on was like thinking that we needed to do everything ourselves. Like we needed to record all of our own songs professionally. Like we had to get really good at production. We had to get really good at Photoshop. And, and those are really valuable skills to learn. But I also have come to realize how much more powerful it is to have a team, to have people that are really like their main thing is doing this and then working with them. Do you, do you have any recommendations for like, how do you take um, this kind of ideas and kind of the, the rough sketches and turn them into something really professional that they can stand behind? Yep. So we're talking about phase three, basically, once you have mm. the idea or the concept, you have the um, basic ways to translate that idea or concept visually, right? Your brand core, as I call it, the next phase is, creating your marketing collateral and conveying that vision into designs and graphics, merchandise and things like that. Um, so the pro that process. So mm. I think one of the biggest mistakes, and this goes back to kind of the beginning we as artists make is we think that it's somebody else's responsibility to define the vision for us, right? So what you want to do is you want, you want to define your vision and the goal or the objective of the brand or of the release or of the album or whatever you're working on, whatever project you're working on. And from there, you can choose either to use free tools like Canva, all right, take maybe a course in Udemy, or I have a course called Music Brand that shows you how to do it on your own, or you can hire a designer and then delegate that task to somebody who has the talent to take your vision and the direction that you give him or her and translate it into the physical equivalent using their skills and talents and abilities. So it depends on you know, your situation and what you're wanting to do. So you can do it on your own. But the point that I'm wanting to make is you gotta, you gotta know what you want first before you can do it yourself or before you could delegate it. But those are both viable options and it depends on your budget and your time. If you have more time than you have money, then you should probably consider doing it yourself first. If you have no time and some money, then you could probably delegate it. But yeah, dude, I think that that makes total sense. So it sounds like, you know, this, this whole question is kind of phase three, right? So a lot of leading up to this point in order to kind of put it into something physical like merchandise or like actual designs, it takes like one of the mistakes is just skipping phase one, phase two, and just kind of going straight to it and hoping that someone else is going to kind of most, come that's up what with the most, most musicians still go right to phase mm. three and they're like, well, what are we trying to do here? Right. And, and then it probably ends up taking way, it probably takes way longer than necessary too, because, and then it probably goes back and, and forth. And you're not happy and with it. You just look at it and you're like, this doesn't feel right. You know mm. what I mean? I don't know why. I just know I don't like it. 
You know what I mean? So, mm, so totally. you kind of avoid that. So it sounds like, you know, with phase three, the two, the two options that you have for kind of really crystallizing it is one, you could either do it yourself and, you know, find some free tools like Canva or invest in like Photoshop, maybe like Udemy or, or your course to kind of learn how to, how to do some of the, the graphic design elements. There are so um, many tools, free tools and templates that are available to use. Mm-hmm. The problem is not that. The problem is, you know, knowing what you're trying to do with them. All the tools are out there right? Mm-hmm. So absolutely. It's, it's true. I, I remember at the beginning, I think of paradise fears and the beginning of this business, like I think when you're starting something new, a lot of times you end up spinning a lot of different plates and it's kind of like you're doing everything and it's like you're doing the, the yeah. visuals, and not knowing and the what to focus on or how to, what, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I do think it's really powerful as like quickly as possible to start building a team and being resourceful and, and sourcing talent from, you know, other, from other people who, you know, maybe, but they have to be the right people too. So like when it comes to, let's say that someone is kind of looking at, they have a really clear vision and a kind of idea for, for what they want and they want to be able to, to work with a designer or someone to kind of bring that into fruition. What are some of the best mm-hmm. like, tools that they could, they could use in order to get those designs created? Yep. Um, I always recommend 99designs because um, once you have your, your vision and you know what you want, right, you can communicate that easily, right? And then somebody can take it and show you example designs and you can make a decision. So the reason I like 99designs is because you can hire like, I think it's like 20 to 30 designers who compete to win your project, right? And if, you don't, if you're not happy with it, then you don't pay, okay? So um, the reason why I typically suggest that as a starting point, if you're just starting to work with or hire a designer and you've never done it before, seeing a lot of different interpretations of how you're you know, communicating what you want will really empower you to, to help make decisions, right? So instead of just seeing one thing, you see, you know, see like 10 or 15, right? Um, so that's typically what I recommend. You could also do uh, pop into like a, a Facebook group and ask for any recommendations or anybody that you've worked with before. That's a really good place for um, finding people who are you know, talented and recommended. So those are the two steps that I, that I would recommend. Beautiful. Um, I'm glad that, that you recommended 99 designs. Cause that was the one that came up for me too, that we've had like amazing experience with yeah. is a uh, 99designs.com. And yeah, it's, it is really because sometimes I feel like it can be really hard. It's going to be a heck of a lot easier once you do step phase one, phase two, like you're recommending of like clarifying the brand and kind of like your, your intentions and what in finding some references and stuff. But it is so helpful to be able to look at you know, 20 different designs from different people. And sometimes it's just one that it just, it just hits you. Like it just resonates and you're like, Oh yeah, like this is, this is the one, like they, they get it. Like they get the vision. And so it is really helpful to have that, you know, 10 to 20 different designs you can look at and choose your favorite ones. So if I, I want to echo 99 designs is, is awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, man. All right. So Greg, dude, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on here. And it's been really helpful, I think, to kind of dig into um, some of these more like higher level concepts of, of creating a music brand and being able to reflect uh, and being able, be able to be like intentional and consistent with, with who you are as an artist. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and, and share some examples and tools. So 
I know you have like a training that actually goes a lot more in depth and has some like templates and cheat sheets and stuff. So for anyone that wants to connect more, learn more from you, where can they go to check you out? Yep. So my website is musicianmonster.com. If you want the application to some of the things that we talked about today, like the next action steps, um, you can go to musicianmonster.com forward slash SWM and download the music branding cheat sheet. It goes over the three phases kind of um, in a more applicable level so that you can take action on it. And once you sign up for the cheat sheet, if you want to complete or have the next steps for phase one, so you can get clarity on your identity as an artist, you can sign up for the music branding accelerator. And then after there, if you think that uh, my methods on music branding are useful and helpful and you, they sit right with you, you'll then also be able to invest in full music brand course at a big discount if that's something that you want to do. So yeah. I hope uh, this was helpful. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me via email, greg at musicianmonster.com. Beautiful. Greg, you're awesome, man. Thanks for, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Michael. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.